Welcome to the Speak Like a Leader podcast with John Bates. Welcome to the show. With me today, I have Giuseppe Marzio, and he is a PhD and a scientist turned strategic storyteller. He has over 20 years experience in the biopharmaceutical industry, and he's been instrumental in raising hundreds of millions of dollars in funding, closing high value deals, and taking organizations to the next level. And Giuseppe, we can find you at chiaro.nl, that's C-H-I-A-R-O dot N-L. And I'd love to have you tell us, what does that mean? Hi, John. Thank you for having me in your show. Fantastic. So, so Chiaro is Italian. I, uh-huh. I am Italian and it's Italian for, for clear, understandable, but also brilliant, which also, which summarizes a bit the, my, my mission. Yes. And great. We'll, we'll discuss I, that. <laughs> I support you in that. Um, so, so Giuseppe, uh, we've known each other for a while. Where, tell us again where we met. Uh, we met uh, at Johnson & Johnson. Uh, that was like, uh, I guess, 10 years ago, almost. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> dude, that's like, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> I know, I know. So at that time, I was working in, in strategic communication in, mm-hmm. in, in, uh, in, in the pharma sector. Yeah. And, 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 and you were also working as an external uh, super advisor in, uh-huh. uh, to help our leaders with... with, with elevate to elevate their presentation skills yes and you are actually uh, you are actually working with 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 the head of the of the global innovation uh, uh, organization yeah which i was also supporting internally so that's yeah. how we met so we have melinda richter in uh, in common yeah and we do yeah and and and, and bill Hyde as well yeah so it, and you know it's such an inspiration to work with people like that, you know, and, uh, and one of the things that I think, uh, well, let me also say, I didn't say this in the introduction, Giuseppe has a fabulous book called winners have a story and it is not super long. So it's not like a, you know, a week's long endeavor to read this thing. And it, there you go. I have my copy on Kindle and, uh, and I read it from cover to cover and it was fabulous. It was fascinating. I think it's really brilliant. I think that uh, Giuseppe, you've got a really great focus on that startup world, particularly in the biopharmaceutical industry where you're so well known and so you know deeply integrated. So let's talk about some of the things that you talk about in the book maybe some of the uh, and anything else because i think what you and i have in common at at the very deepest root is we want people's communication to be as mighty as their ideas right and a lot of times scientists have brilliant ideas but all of that logical science training steers them away from being good at talking about what they're doing is that fair to say? That's very fair to say. And, you know, <laughs> the words you say, you mentioned that this logical scientific training in the head, that's, that's where the, the trouble really starts. 
that's what makes it so difficult for, for, for somebody scientifically trained to, to turn science and data into something exciting and inspiring. You know, one of the sayings, I don't know if I was saying it when we met, I don't know if I had figured it out yet, but one of the things I say is communicating with human beings is not logical. You may have noticed. It's not logical, it's biological. And when you understand the biology, you can make it logical again, but logic by itself, and I'm very proud of this as a soft skills guy, logic is necessary, but it's not sufficient. Would you agree? It's not. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and what I notice, people that are, I mean, you need logic and you need emotions and you need other things, but people that are good at one tend to compensate for the, for the other factors that they miss. Those that yeah. are really good at interacting with people tend to lack sometimes, you know, the data part, the scientific, the, the, and, and the other way around. Scientists, because they generally are, are less strong on the emotional part, they tend to overdo with the, with the logical part, yeah. which doesn't work. Yeah. Well, you've got a great framework that you mentioned in the book that, uh, that you know, I think on, on one hand, you could say it's maybe a thousand years old. On the other hand, to me, it was a, I thought it was a really brilliant, fresh way to look at things. Will you tell us about that, uh, that overlay that you have? Yeah. Well, it, it, you, you, it, every story is, I mean, you can build a story in, in many ways, but there, there is this structure that's been around for, for forever and was described already through more than 2,000 years ago by Aristotle, which is the, the three-act structure, you know. Mm -hmm. Every story has three parts. And, and somebody said every movie has, has three parts, a beginning, yeah, a middle, and sure. the end. Yeah. Not necessarily in that order. But, mm -hmm. <laughs> but, but so once you understand these three big chapters that you have to have in your story, life becomes a lot easier. So, so. What, what do you, you know, how do you help people, um, you know, get present to that? What, what is, what is like, I know that it's, it's, you know, they need to go read your book, but um, tell us how you help people think about those three things when they're say doing a pitch or something like that. Yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll use the, so most of my clients are, have, have either a scientific background or they work with science in biotech. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. and, and, and so, so let, let, let's start with the first uh, chapter of the story, you know, the setup. It's like an introduction. And, you know, scientific presentations or scientific papers or dissertation have a very long and complex introduction. Because it, the introduction for, for a scientist is meant to bring the audience to the same level of knowledge as they have which takes a lot of effort. And, you know, that's the, that's the wrong start. You know, it's, 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 it's a beginning <laughs> that keeps on beginning. You know, it's, yeah. they go on forever. So whereas in good movies, the beginning is not so relevant. It's just the setup. You know, these are the main characters. This is where it's going to take place. And, you know, let's get going. You know, we want to see the next part, the second act, which is the the... The, the struggle, the surprise, the shift, something happens. 
something that the audience was not expecting. So that's so I try to help them focus on this middle part. You know, what is the surprise? Just go fast on the introduction. You only want to see heads nodding. You know, we all know this. Go ahead. And, yeah. and in the end, yeah. I think that's great. And and uh, and I think that one of the things that I see in my work is that I personally to start with and it seems like just about everybody that I work with and support I really underestimated the value and the importance and the difference that just structuring your talk can make you know if if you here's your talk if you sit down and think about how could I structure this to make it a little more interesting to make it a little more exciting how could I move pieces around so that they would all have maximum impact it's unbelievable you, like without changing anything that someone says just rearranging the order and the structure of it can completely alter the impact completely Com completely the same thing it's it's like it's like a recipe you know you can have all the the best ingredients but if you don't know how to, how to the, the the right order it, it's gonna be a mess yeah yeah sometimes <laughs> yeah think about italian cooking right if you didn't it's, put those things into the recipe in the right order it would not taste so good <laughs> No, and, and the beauty is sometimes it's not that complicated, you know, it, yeah. it's, it's, it's a simple recipe, it's simple structures that you need to follow and, and it will work. Yeah. Now you also, I'm looking at the, at the, at the, cause I don't have my book. I didn't have my Kindle book open in front of me, but I remember one of the other things that I thought was, was really good that you talked about was and it may have been the four elements with the fifth surprise, but there, you know, you talked about going through your pitch deck, let's say with different colored stickies, one for, I think logic, one for like emotion and connection. Will you tell us a little bit about that? Cause that is a yeah. brilliant exercise. <laughs> it, it, it is actually. And, and, it is because it also comes from Aristotle, really. Yeah, there from you Aristotle. go. <laughs> he was a pretty I smart just, dude. Yeah, he, he, he was. <laughs> so I, I, so he, Aristotle says there are four elements, four ingredients for for every inspiring and compelling story, whether it is a book or a, or a pitch or a personal presentation. So it's it's data, logos, it's emotional connection, pathos, it's uh, trustability. He called he called it ethos. You know, can I trust you? Can I trust your team? Can I trust your references? And and the final element he calls uh, kairos, which is the urgency. You know, no matter how interesting or exciting your stuff is, if yeah. I don't have a reason to act now, yeah, yeah, I, mean, I have so many priorities. Why should I do something yeah. about it now? You know, it's uh, so urgent. So these four elements. It's so, so you good. Take... You give me goosebumps to my wrists and my ankles. <laughs> and I think about the fact that, you know, Aristotle just laid that out so clearly like 2000 years ago, you know, and here we are still struggling with it. 
but it's so great that you in your book you lay this out just very clearly and very well and that that exercise is so good and i didn't mean to interrupt i think you were maybe going to no. say a little bit more about these because i know that you i'd love to hear more about these four and then i know you have a fifth one that that is yeah Plus Aristotle, Aristotle plus it one is. here. So that's that's my personal <laughs> addition. So, <laughs> so the exercise you mentioned is once you know these four colors, these four ingredients. Just if you have a presentation, it, it can be a script on a word document or a slide deck, print it out, and give colors to all the bits of the story. You know, if you have mm -hmm. slides, put a, 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 a yellow post-it for for information, a green yeah. post-it for trust. Uh, a pink post-it for urgency and then step back and look at the colors and then you will see what are you missing yeah uh, and then you can add the element that is oh, missing. it's so good because yeah it's just really good and and uh i mean i'm gonna shamelessly steal that i will definitely credit you you should uh but that you know because this is something that in in my work i, I mean I think naturally I've been looking for these things, right? But gosh, like to just have such a clear, simple exercise of, okay, bing, 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 bing. What is this thing missing? Let's just look for the color that's not quite up there enough. It's <laughs> like, it's so simple and it's so brilliant. I totally love it. And I would also, I'm, I'm curious, I'll continue with the, with the fifth element in a sec, but I'd be curious to hear from you. What elements do you find mostly missing from from in, in the people you work with it's a great question it's a great question i'll tell you the one that's definitely not missing is logos right ah, that's it. right it's always almost all so. logos almost no pathos or ethos and maybe an attempt at kairos right because it's logical here's all the logic and we need to do it now mostly because i'm in a hurry you know, <laughs> right? it, whereas I think um, when I work with people, I'm almost always trying to get them to put the ethos, the emotional, the trust part up front. And, and by mm. the way, I think it's important. I, I'd love to hear what you think, but I think it's really important that people remember that trust is not a logical issue, right? That does not come from our prefrontal cortex. That comes from our paleo-mammalian ancient brain. And it is, it is, you know, it's not, it's beyond logic. It's, and so I always try to get people, I have a thing that I call, Giuseppe, you may like this, I call it, I work with people a lot on their origin stories. And actually Melinda Richter was one of the people that I, I assisted with her origin story. And I also learned because I, I like meeting her and hearing that story. I was like, Holy smoke. And then I started to realize everybody's got a story, even if it's not as dramatic, everybody's got a story like that. So that was where my work with the origin story started. And when we're in a pitching situation, I call it the opening the laptop story, right? Well, I open up the laptop and, you know, kind of fire up PowerPoint. Let me tell you where this whole thing came from, right? And I can't tell you how many times I've worked with people whose uncle maybe died of the disease they're trying to find a solution to. 
but they never they never tell anybody that right and uh until <laughs> you know 30 minutes into our hour-long consultation when I finally dig it out of them and then we have 30 minutes to quickly construct that story that they can tell when they're opening the laptop that's going to demonstrate what I call not their credibility that's already established they have the meeting it establishes their emotional credibility and I like to do that as early as I can in in any meeting because it colors how everything else gets heard. Yeah. So that, that ethos is the thing that I find is almost always the most missing one. And then the, the pathos, how would you characterize pathos in that, in a pitching situation like this? I'd, I'd say it's about uh, creating an emotional connection with the audience, you know, uh, it, at the personal level, it, do I come across or somebody the audience investors would would like to work with? Uh, um, so pathos and ethos are pretty pretty close together. Are, How would you tease them apart? It, pathos is really about uh, being. It's I don't imagine I, I I I imagine you meet somebody in 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 at, at the cocktail party you know somebody mm -hmm. hey, I like I like that person so yeah so it, it's a bit the same you know you go yeah. through the same steps first of all yeah. there there is some sense of 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 first of all there is an emotional connection hey I yeah. like the person you know that's yeah. uh, I, I I like to talk to that person and then yeah. you go and talk to this person and but before you go and talk to this person or before you share anything personal with this person you also think uh, but do I trust this person now yeah, okay. do, do I want to spend some time with this person uh, do mm -hmm. I want to see this person again and and and, yeah. and then the the, the 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 third step is sharing everything and perhaps this person is going to be your the partner for the yeah. rest of your life and you want this person to know everything about you but yeah so so the first I'd say the emotional is really the emotional connection is really at the, at the liking level mm -hmm. and that the, the emotional of the trust is more uh, is this the right person to do I want to to trust this person? It's really a, a, a later step. And in in Aristotle's construction, it would be pathos is I like that person, and ethos is oh I actually trust that person. Is that correct? Correct. Would you say yeah. correct? Correct. Great. And I think and those two things strongly mutually reinforce each other. Absolutely. And, and, and perhaps the difference is that you, you can influence this trust with information. It is an emotional thing, but you can, tr you can influence with information, for instance. And, these, and scientists are, are generally very good at this. For instance, you can trust your, the, your you, can, you can influence the audience uh, by adding, I don't know, academic titles. Right personal achievements or right. prizes you you received or publications yep. you got you know that's it's still emotional but you can influence it with information yeah yeah i like to build those things into the opening the laptop story just a little bit almost as an aside to the other thing that was going on you know that the the more non-logical part of that story the more emotional part um and then i think that you know kairos is is another thing that i think is often 
missing. And and I think that I like I like saying Kairos more than I like saying urgency because I think just you know oh urgency it's kind of overused. But I think that it is really good to think about Kairos and make sure that in that pitch, you're pointing out that, okay, where we are right now, like there's an inflection point in the market. There's an inflection point in the science, like in another, you know, six months year, things are going to have changed dramatically. Like if we do this now, it's going to be, you know, much better timing, et cetera. And I think that, um, I, again, I just think doing your exercise and getting it out there visually is so smart and making sure that you've actually, instead of just there at the end when you're asking for the money and you say, we should really move fast, you know, like, no, have you, have you built that into the structure of the pitch a little bit? Have you, have you dropped some seeds here along the way or some hints that this might be timely right now? Yeah. And you said a couple of minutes ago then uh, that the Kairos is is the the one the element which is often missing, at least you see. And uh, I, I I have a theory for that. <laughs> and I think um, you know the, the, when when we when we pitch a story uh, when when I see CEOs pitching their story they they tend to 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 pitch a story which is a me 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 story I call it you know it's about. It's me, my team, my product, my company, my yeah. technology, you know. But Kairos, it's something that happens outside the company. As you said, something has changed in the world, in the yeah. market. In yeah. The FDA is a new position paper. There is a new, you know. So you need to look outside to find the urgency. And, and that's... I think that's a really, really good point because I even made the joke earlier in our conversation, you know, and, uh, and we should do this now cause I'm in a hurry, <laughs> you know, cause we're about to run out of money, you know, it's like, okay, that's not, that's not what we mean by Kairos, right? Like very good. Yes. It's, it is outside the company and there's something going on. Something's changing that we can take advantage of by moving quickly. That's great. And I remember now that uh, Sequoia Capital, some some of the leading VCs uh, in in any sector, they they have uh, they have some some guidance for for founders uh -huh. go and, and pitch to them. And they say if you if you come to pitch to Sequoia Capital, if you come to pitch your great idea, be prepared to answer this question: Why now? <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. It's a great, that's a great, and, and, uh, to answer that question beyond just because I feel like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So what are, so what are some of the other things that you see maybe specifically in the biopharma industry, but that might generalize across, you know, pitching in general for a lot of startups. I, I, I work with, a lot of biotech. I also work with a lot of, um, you know, uh, impact companies. I work with a lot of, I, I do the Cisco global problem solver challenge. I'm the official pitch coach for that. So that's people from all over the world at all kinds of different stages. It is very different, mostly from what I'm seeing in the biopharmaceutical industry. Um, what are some general pitching guidelines or things to think about or or 
common mistakes that you see, Giuseppe? Uh, common mistakes. Um, uh, one very common mistakes is not to use the right tools for the right interaction. Founders, especially in the early phase of, of their startup, you know, they have a pitch deck and, and, and they use the same pitch deck or slight variations of the pitch deck for, for everything. You know, they send it to investors, they go to conferences, they, they, they use it for internal presentation with their team. <laughs> it's like having one dress for all occasions. Yes. Yeah. And of course, the pitch deck, the dress is not, doesn't make the man, but, you know, it's, it, it's important. It's a very important tool. Yeah. Perhaps your most important tool. Yeah. In the if or if you are a founder of a startup, so so I I'd say that that's a, that's that's a common mistake. I see. You need to have different different pitch decks for different situations. If you are giving a, a TED-like presentation at a conference, you need an inspiring deck with little text. Bless you, John. Little text and big images, and and if you are interacting with the, for the first time via via email with investors, you need a few slides that give just enough information to to get them curious. We want more, and I have more. There is plenty more where this comes from. Invite me. I want to see you. Yeah, uh, I think that's a great a great point. And one of the things that I see a lot is people. I'll say it this way, confusing an email deck with a with an in-person presentation deck, right? I, I get it. A, a, a An email deck that you're going to email to somebody, you can have lots of bullets, kind of like a pretty email. But if you use that same deck when you're up in front of people and it's got all those bullet points and those full sentences and all that information on each and every slide... You better not say anything important because they're not listening to you. They're reading the slide, you know? Yeah. And, and people and people can read faster than you can talk. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. they'll be always one step ahead of you. Yeah. And uh, it just it's it's it, it's it's a terrible way to do a presentation deck. And there is a vast difference between an email deck and a presentation deck. Yeah. So, so how do you go about it when, when you have a client and, and you see that, wow, this deck isn't working and perhaps they have invested a lot of time and effort and, and, and energy <laughs> in making it. And people get to love their slides. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a very sensitive thing. It is a very sensitive thing. And people are very, uh, you know, what we mostly see still is really bad examples even from highly placed you know people that we should be able to follow their lead and and emulate them they're still not doing it in a way that works and uh so are you asking me what i say yeah is, so is that is what, that... well what you know one of the things that i do is i i have a slide in my in my training that I put up with like a little teeny picture of a dolphin. 
and then a whole bunch of bullet points about dolphins. And I say, I love dolphins because, you know, they're, they can breathe underwater. They, they, they're, they can't breathe underwater. They're mammals like us. They've been known to save people from sharks and rescue people from shipwrecks. And I love, you know, and then I stop and I look at everybody in the room and I say, now you are not listening to what I'm saying because you're reading. And they all laugh because it's true. You know, they all are like, oh, you know, and I say, so, you know, this is like making someone breathe and drink water at the same time. We know how that goes, right? Like take a big, huge drink of water and a deep breath at the same time. It doesn't work out well. People resent you for making them do that and they will not listen to you. They're going to read because they control reading they can't control what you're saying, but they can control reading and they're going to read this. So if you put up a slide like this, don't say very much because just wait till everybody's done reading it and say next. Okay. Everybody's done with this one next. Right. And then turn the slide black and we can talk about it. And people hate that people get, you know, like I keep, I have to always say, look, don't kill the messenger. It's not my fault. You know? Um, and I tell people that, uh, when we're talking about a presentation deck, you need to start with what you want to say first and then have the deck show visuals that will reinforce what you're saying with very few words, but let the deck do the heavy lifting for the emotional connection on some of these things, you know, show, show what, you know, the outcome show, show, a smiling patient, show, you know, whatever, but get the visuals up there. That's what the deck is for in a presentation deck is the visuals. It's not, it's not just a glorified three by five card with your notes on it. You know, that, that doesn't work if you want to have a really successful in-person presentation. And I like this slide with the dolphin. If you don't mind, <laughs> I will use something. I will quote you. I will say this from John Bates. Yeah, I'll send it, it to I you. Like I'll it. send it to it. you. <laughs> it's beautiful. And it's, and, and, and admittedly, it goes against the grain of a lot of cultures at companies. You know, I mean, the people at VW almost had a nervous breakdown and same thing with, with people at Johnson and Johnson, you know, they're like, but we've got the, the corporate slides. We've got to, you know, fit into the model, of the corporate slides. It's like, well, Maybe we need to start talking to whoever decides that model because it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and in the end, you know, the, the, the most successful uh, uh, presenters, but also entrepreneurs, are those that stand out from the crowd. You know, they yes. are different. We remember those. So it's... Yeah, and the good news is doing it well will have you stand out like crazy. You know, so that's, that's a, that's a double bonus. You stand out and you're doing it really, really well in a way that connects with people. So listen, I asked you uh, before we got on to think about one of the tough points in your career, one of the low moments, like, you know, where did you have a failure or, or something like that? And what did you learn from it? Did you, did something come up for you? Yeah, and you know, I had plenty to choose from. <laughs> I, yeah, me too. I, I like I like <laughs> I like to share a, a moment, uh, a, a, one of not the finest hours. Uh, immediately after I, I left 
my 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 job at at, at Johnson and Johnson to start my own company. And imagine I, I'd been working in 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 biopharma for I don't know twenty years I think, and and I felt like. I know my stuff. I, I I was pretty confident, and I'm now I'm gonna do it on my own. And and so I was invited uh, by by somebody by somebody interested in in in, in my services. My first client ever, imagine. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 but I thought you know I I I got this. I can do it, and I know exactly what they need. And I, I wrote an extensive proposal with uh, with with the price, and I sent it sent it over. And within ten minutes, I got an email back, and they say, "Oh my, you 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 really didn't get us. I'm so sorry. We cannot work with you. The offer is 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 bad, and the price is totally not good for us." I, I, and and uh, and they wished me good luck in the rest of the yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Oh yeah. my goodness, that was my very first client, and I, I just I just messed up so badly, and uh, yeah, that was a, a really difficult. Also because I I knew this guy, and uh -huh. he had invited me also to do me a favor, you know, to help me on my right with my business, and I so. Even with his goodwill, I, I failed miserably. And, and but there is a, a bit of a silver lining to it because I met this person a couple of weeks later, and I, I asked him, I, I, I begged him for <laughs> forgiveness, and say, I said, please, can could you share more about what what did I uh, uh, what why why did I what did I go wrong? Why did I go wrong? Did, what, what did I do wrong? He said, the, he said the client is always right. And you and you went into a discussion with us into af after the email why my offer was really what they needed and why the price was the right price. And he said, you know, it's that that's not how it works. If a client tells you this is not good, then 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 you should listen to the client mm -hmm. and uh, learn for the next time. Yeah. So that's now it's printed something somewhere somewhere, on, <laughs> somewhere in my heart. That I, that the client is right, and I should listen very well to their needs before I tell them what what they need. Yeah, well, that's fabulous. That that lesson has probably served you extremely well. It has ab ab absolutely, and uh, I, you know, I, I've worked again with that person ten years later. So it's uh, yeah. Well, and it reminds me of those moments that I've had where I get smacked so hard that I actually start, I've had moments like that where I really had to reassess whether I believed in myself or not, you know? And, uh, and I, I imagine that moment was one of those for you. You had just left, you thought you were, it was all set and here your first client, that's how it goes. You know, uh, how did you, how did you maintain your belief in yourself in that moment? I, I guess it's uh, I, I, I was it's it's something that it's in me as well. You know, uh, if if you fall, stand up again. 
and uh, if you fall again stand up again <laughs> yeah it's a matter of of standing up again it's not yeah. the, the the issue is not so much falling falling down yeah. it's getting up again so yes i mean and you had left your job so you kind of had to get up again right i ex exactly yeah and i i think when when once you get in a corner once you are in a corner then uh, then you find in yourself and uh, resources that perhaps you didn't know you had yeah and, totally uh, yeah well i'm glad you, you i mean sorry go ahead i mean you you started working uh you started your business much earlier than i than i did so 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 i, I guess you had many many moments yeah, where you had I definitely to did. get up again yes yeah for sure and uh and I didn't have the courage to leave my job. I just didn't have a job. And all of a sudden, everything I was doing had dried up. And, you know, I just, this was the only thing I could think of that I had that was of value to other people. For a while, I thought I didn't have anything of value to people. And then it finally dawned on me, well, maybe, you know, I've been a speaker and I've raised money and, you know, pitched a lot. Maybe I could help people with that. And then everybody around me told me that would be a terrible idea. So I cried for another month. And then finally I just did it because I couldn't think of anything else to do. And I loved it and I had passion for it. And, uh, and I think that's the other thing that we have in common is a passion for this. And I think that that is the other thing that got me through those difficult times. It's just like, look, I love this and I, I want to make a difference here. So I'm just going to go, I'm just going to get up again. Right. So, um, you are based in the Netherlands. Is that right? I am. I live in Amsterdam. I, so, I've been living here. Yeah. No, no, go ahead. You've been living there. I, I, I moved to, I moved to Amsterdam almost, uh, almost 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, my, my wife is Dutch. Uh-huh. Uh, Mine's my wife is half Dutch. Oh, is she? Yes, Peruvian wow. and Dutch, yeah. Oh, wow. And I love Holland. I love the Dutch people. I love Amsterdam. Um, and I don't even smoke pot, you know, like, <laughs> so not, it's not, not that I like I. Amsterdam for that. <laughs> I, uh, I just think it's such a fabulous place and such a fabulous country. So I, I was asking that because it feels to me like over the last 10 years, there has been a dramatic uptick in just fundamental entrepreneurialism in Europe. Am I, am I making that up or would you agree? I agree completely. And, and, uh, uh, I did, I don't know if it is only Europe, but certainly in the, in the, in the Western world. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think it's broader than Europe. But I've been very focused on Europe and uh, and I, be, I just it's I think it's just freaking awesome because I don't think that when I first started going to Europe, you know, for business stuff in the you know, mid 90s, that was just not even that was hardly a thing. And now it feels like it's a really big thing. It, it is innovation and uh, and startups and the, 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 it's really a big thing in Europe and even in the Netherlands and, and in Amsterdam. 
comparing it with uh, with few years ago. No. And yeah, sorry. And I, I, I guess it, it's it's a it's a it, it's a change also in in expectations of, of young people. For instance, if I look at my daughters, I I don't see them really looking forward to having a five to nine a nine to five job. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, they want to have a, a a a seven in the morning to a nine at night job as an entrepreneur. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. But uh, so, I, and I think that that's actually really. I think you're spot on. I also um, I want to ask you about what you're seeing in terms of how people. Um, characterize failure because I think one of the big issues mitigating against entrepreneurialism and startups in Europe for a long time was just a real allergy to failure. And I feel like in Silicon Valley in particular, people got over that allergy a long time ago. And in fact, you know, there's almost a, 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 like you need to have failed a little bit before they're going to actually give you a really big bunch of money because they want to know that you, that you get it. You know, what do you think about in specifically how people think about and deal with failure in the startup community that you're seeing? Uh, uh, I, I watched, uh, I, I attended a presentation some uh, just before the summer by a, a very successful uh, CEO and and she 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 presented uh she 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 she, she told us she she shared with the audience her fundraising journey and ex extremely successful she so she had she had sold the first company already 5 years before with, for a lot of money and she she just had a very successful fundraising round so very successful woman but she, her story was only about her failures and she said you know to get to this successful fundraising i had i i got i don't know how many 112 no's so i pitched 112 times and they told me i'm sorry <laughs> it's not for us and you know you only see that the final success but there is so much failure before and her 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 her, her call to the audience was accept it and just share also these these stories because we have to get over this this fear of, of 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 failure of sharing our failure actually i think we all accept our failures but sharing it in public it's still difficult and and, and there could be a difference between you know uh, uh, us and and uh, or the west coast and and, and, and europe or ab absolutely a cultural difference yeah. Well, I'm super happy to hear that that message is being spread in that kind of a venue. And I'm I, I'm really excited about what's possible for the future with Europe really fully turned on in an entrepreneurial startup way and, and other places like, you know, Colombia and Brazil and, you know, all the other places that I'm that you you alluded to and that I'm seeing come online with just this massive focus on startups and and I do think that it's uh 
I think for a while there was a lot of cynicism that I saw among old startup people. They're like, oh yeah, they all think it's like, you know, it's roses and, you know, you know, champagne all the time. And, uh, and I think that people are getting a more realistic, you know, vision of what it really is. And it is a lot more failure and it is hard work. And it's not like, it's not like being an entrepreneur is necessarily easier than a nine to five job, but it's so much more fulfilling. And the, the difference that these companies are going to make and are making now is just staggering. It's so exciting. Incredible, incredible, really. So is there anything I didn't ask you about Giuseppe? I noticed we're kind of coming up on the hour here and, um, is there anything that you, that I didn't ask you any, any secret tips you want to give us any thoughts that you have, you know, anything? Well, it's there, there is, there is one person that I, I, I thank in, in my book and it's, it's somebody I, I've never met, but has been, a, a, a one of the biggest inspiration for me, for my work, for my book, for, for my storytelling work, and, and that's Quentin Tarantino. I, I'm, a, I'm the, the, the movie director, uh, so I, I, I love Quentin Tarantino's movies. My, my daughters love them. My wife likes them. <laughs> yeah. uh, but so, so Quentin, if you're watching this, if you're listening to this podcast, thank you very much, and uh, I hope to meet you live one day. Awesome. Good. Well, I listen, I hope Quentin is listening. And, uh, and, and I want you to know, Quentin, I read this book and you are thanked in this book and you are modeled in this book. And so what you brought and bring to movies in Hollywood is actually being channeled by Giuseppe into helping founders who want to save lives and make a huge difference in the world in the biopharmaceutical industry actually succeed. So, you know, your, your, uh, impact, you know, goes far beyond just the movies that you've made. And Giuseppe is one of the people amplifying you out there. So, so. thank you, Quentin. <laughs> <Right> <laughs> well, that's great. I think that's a great place to leave it because that, that, you know, the, the, what you bring Giuseppe is, uh, your love of movies and you talk about it in the book and that willingness to not only convey the logic, but to actually have it be interesting, even heaven forbid, entertaining makes people dramatically more successful in raising money and succeeding with their business and, and influencing their employees and having a great culture. So, you know, I think it's, it's great that you've got that passion for movies and that you bring it to this world. That's really very much in need of that. Thank you, John. You're super welcome. I'm, I'm so glad you reached out a while ago and thanks again for sending me your book. I think it's brilliant. If you, uh, if you want, you know, here's the name it's called winners have a story 
And it is a book that I highly recommend. You can find it on Amazon. Giuseppe Marzio is the author. You'll see my uh, five-star review there when you go. And uh, you're very welcome. And uh, Giuseppe, I'll look forward to staying in touch with you. And maybe we got to do something together. You know, I'll come over to Europe and we'll do something or whatever. Uh, but I'm just glad to know you're out there, you know, and empowering people with great ideas to communicate about them in a way so that they can make an even bigger difference. Thank you, John. I'm looking forward to seeing you perhaps in Amsterdam. That sounds great. That sounds great. We go to the movies. That sounds great. Yeah, we'll go see a movie in Amsterdam. Hey, and we'll tell all of you that we're going to be doing an event when we do it. And maybe you can come to Amsterdam too. Fantastic. All right, Giuseppe. Thank you for joining me. And thank you. to you listening, thank you for your time and your attention. I hope you found this as valuable and fun as we did. And uh, if you want to give us a five-star review, wherever you review your podcasts, we'd love to, to get that. It would make a difference for us. And if you would share this episode far and wide with the people that you think might get something beneficial out of it, that would be awesome too. And thank you again for joining me here on speaklikealeader.show. Thank you for joining the Speak Like a Leader podcast. Go be awesome.